0: Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Nimnick. Really appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode here. Uh, got the one and only Guy Eastman on. Now, you may be wondering, well, Guy, he's not really a predator hunter, but uh, he's really not. You know, He's he's obviously more the big game guy, um, but uh, over the years of knowing Guy and visiting with him, Guy kind of has this, this little obsession with with chasing mountain lions. So I figured it'd be fun. Obviously, mountain lions a predator. Um, so gonna have guy on. We're gonna talk about uh, you know chasing lions with dogs and kind of how all that works um, and kind of listen to some of his fun stories that uh, he's been part of over the years. But then we're also going to talk a little bit about how you know some of those same tactics and understanding you know lions when you're chasing with dogs. How can we use those tactics if you're specifically going out to maybe try to call in a lion? So hopefully you'll get some great information there and uh, hear some guys stories. But before we get going, uh, I want to take a minute to thank the partner of this episode, which is Onyx Hunt. Um, huge, huge resource for me as a coyote hunter. Um, I've had the Onyx Hunt app on my phone now for I don't even know how many years. And, uh, you know, obviously they're a partner of the Last Stand video series and have been for quite a few years, so it's great to have them now as a partner uh, with this podcast. And uh, you've heard me probably on previous podcasts talk about using this app, you know, specifically from a coyote hunting standpoint, one thing I really, really like is the ability to mark and plot stands out. Um, you know, I've talked about land access and having enough stands to consistently go out and, and, and be successful where you're not going back to the same places over and over. And this, and this takes building up just a huge, uh, database of, of stands that you can go make. Well, it's hard to remember where all those stands are. So, you know, the great thing about the Onyx Hunt app is I can get in there and drop pins exactly where these, these particular stands are. I can color code uh, these pins. I can even put notes in there to maybe if some stands are only good for maybe a north wind, other stands are good for a south wind. Um, so I can color code those. So, you know, you get to a certain point where you're like trying to put together a plan on what you're where you're going to hunt today. Maybe you're going to plan B during the middle of the day, and you're looking for places to go for the afternoon. Um, you can pull up this app and uh, and and start looking and seeing what you got. And, and more than likely, you're probably going to you know see some stuff that you didn't remember off the top of your head. So if you're in the market for looking uh, for a good mapping app, um, you know obviously you're going to see land access. Uh, land ownership and everything like that on there Um, check out the onyx hunt map you can go to your app app store on your phone or you can visit com. well guy welcome to the podcast man great to have you on
1: well thanks jeff Uh, (laughs) thanks for inviting me this is uh this is a new one Uh, we've known each other for a long time lecturing and being on the road at shows but this is a little different uh different meeting here
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited, you know, throughout the years, you know, you and I and your brother and the whole Eastman's crew, you know, we met through these ISE shows many years ago, you know, I was kind of a new guy, you know, on the scene, given these measly little talks about coyote hunting and there you were, you know, everybody's showing up here about these massive <laughs> right. mule deer and, and, elk, you guys are <laughs> pounding all the time, you know? So yeah, just, we, just whether it was waiting to, you know, do a seminar, or you were kind of back in there talking with a little speedy, you know, or something like that. And we got to visiting and, um so I've always been kind of fascinated with some of your guys' stories and that's why I thought you know what this isn't obviously a big game podcast you know we'll leave that to Eastman's Elevated but um I thought you know you've been lion hunting enough mountain lion hunting enough that I got to hear some of your stories thought, man this is kind of cool I want to I want to get you on here to talk about that yeah for sure so for those that maybe don't know you kind of give a little bit of background on yourself um you know kind of hunting in general um you know kind of how that started and maybe just a little bit of background with, with what you do at Eastman's and stuff like that.
1: Okay. Well, I kind of grew up in this business. Uh, Of course, my grandfather started back in the fifties filming hunts. And then my dad started this magazine and Eastman's hunting journal in the eighties. And then I just kind of grew up through it and ended up after college, coming back to work in the business and, you know, been hunting, hunting ever since Uh, mostly big game. Of course, yeah, elk, yeah. deer, antelope, sheep—that kind of thing. Um, I've shot, you know, some coyotes, opportunist when I see them, but <laughs> no, nothing like what you you do. <laughs> Definitely not scientific about it. But uh, you know, I grew up in the business and ended up kind of taking over for my dad on the lectures and talking to audiences, and that's where I met you. Yeah, uh, and then you know, spent most of my life in that hunting, lecturing, writing articles for the magazine, and video tv shows all that stuff all western big game related uh but about uh 10 about 15 years ago i kind of started getting into the lion thing did it for my first time i think i think about 15 16 years ago just kind of really got into it i I must i got to put a disclaimer i'm certainly not an expert on it uh you know there are guys that are super into it i learned that right off the bat that it is a completely different deal Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> than what I was used to, you
2: know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now so, you're an engineer by trade, right? Yeah. So so did you ever, did you ever do any engineering?
1: Yeah. Actually, when I got out of yeah. college, I worked in Idaho for three or four years doing engineering before I came back to the business.
0: Nice. Nice. So, I, know so yeah, I, I know you went to Purdue. I know you went to Purdue. I know you're a big Purdue fan, you know, final four is coming up. <laughs> NCAA yeah. tournament. Are they going to be number we one seed?
1: St- we have stuttered at the end of the year. There, I know, but you know the Big Ten's tough, so we'll we'll see. I uh, know. We picked on Nebraska a couple times, but there there's some other teams in there are pretty pretty aggressive. So I don't know. Hey, that's we'll not see. saying
0: much this year with Nebraska's record <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in anything really. You know.
1: Yeah, they've had a rough go.
2: <laughs>
1: Whenever uh, I talk to Bender, of course he's a massive Nebraska. Oh, fan. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. He,
1: yeah, I think uh, he's not liking it too much with no. Purdue beating them in basketball. <laughs> which that's not that bad, but the oh, really football is really hard going. to swallow. <laughs> yeah.
0: <so. laughs> Heck yeah. Welcome um, to the
1: big 10. Buddy. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Now with, um, with your mountain lion stuff, what was kind of, was there something specific that you thought when you wanted to first do it, it was just kind of like, this is just something cool. It's kind of the same country that I'm used to being in with mule deer and elk and everything like that, and it was just kind of a carryover for that, or was there something specific about the lion hunting that caught your attention that made you wanted to kind of get in and start going on a few of these hunts?
1: Well, actually, about 20 years ago, I was hunting elk with a guy that worked for us at the time named Sean Simpson. We were hunting elk here in Wyoming, and I had one of those ghillie suits on. We were call, trying to call a bull. He was going, he had a bunch of cows, and he was headed into his bedding area, and we we're, you know, following him, trying to piss him off enough to get him a turn come back try to run us off you know thinking we were a young bull and all of a sudden sean taps me on the shoulder he was filming i we're bow hunting and he he said there's a there's a lion i thought what the heck and i looked over and here here come a cat right into our elk call i mean right in he's sitting there hunkered down i could see i could hear him kind of purring they kind of almost purr yeah yeah. house cat but then saw his tail flick flickering he was only about 15 feet away oh, staring geez. at me and i was in a ghillie suit and i went oh man And i stood up and then sean stood up and then he he left well i didn't have a cat tag in my pocket otherwise i would have smoked that thing <laughs> i learned my lesson yeah. lesson number one always have a cat tag in your pocket right you yeah you yeah. never know what those things so then i got to think i'm man i want to hunt one of those things after that close encounter so fast forward a few years my taxidermist up in montana is a big time cat hunter from way back used to guide doing it he doesn't anymore he just takes out friends and runs his likes running the dogs and up there you have to draw a tag it's a really good area up in the northwest corner by Libby and after about four or five years of applying I finally drew the tag and went up there and hunted with him and that was my first experience actually hunting them with the dogs in the snow and it just kind of got me hooked it's you know, it's like one of those things that I kind of, we've had a lot of articles in the magazine about it. You think, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, those those are pretty neat. And you read the articles and it, it's just a, so different that I never thought I'd really want to do it. And then after that close encounter with that cat, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I knew he had hunted a lot of cats. So I asked him, hey, if I draw, will you take me out? He's like, oh yeah, sure. Keep putting in. So took me about five five or six years to draw and I finally drew it went up there and I spent probably three weeks up there on and off three different trips uh, to get it done it's it's uh that's one thing it is people think oh you got the dogs? that's a slam dunk it's not pheasant hunting buddy I'll tell you that right (laughs) now I mean it is to get a big tom that's a serious endeavor and it takes a lot of time it's not as easy as a lot of people think
0: so before we get into some real details on some of the hunts you've been on and, and kind of how this mm-hmm. whole process work. I got to ask you, cause I do this with all my guests. Even though you're not a coyote hunter, I got to hear your story of the first coyote you ever killed. No matter if it was called <laughs> or just shot. Do, could you even remember the first coyote you ever whacked? Gee, I, were you out deer hunt or something was, with your dad I probably? Good. No, yeah?
1: I, my uncle is a rancher here in Wyoming and Of course, he's got dead cows always around, especially in the winter, and I think we were over there for Christmas one time, and he had a dead cow out in one of his pastures, and there was about three or four coyotes on it one morning, (laughs) and I jumped out of the truck and rest on the hood, poof, (laughs) got one, made a lucky shot, killed one, Yeah, didn't didn't really know what to do with it, but uh, I think my grandpa took it and gave it to somebody to to skin it out. That's when they were worth some money, you know, back in the 80s.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure.
1: My, my, my uncle used to hunt them a lot. Uh, my other uncle, not the rancher. He used to hunt them a lot when I was a little kid with snowmobiles around Jackson hole, big piney, all that country over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's when they were worth a hundred bucks yeah, you know, yeah. back then in the seventies, which is like probably 500 bucks now. And yeah. I mean, those guys were, I mean, that's how they lived in the winter in Jackson hole. There's not much to do. You know, you're the contractor in the summer in the winter, you either ski or hunt coyotes. And he, he got really into it and they, they made a lot of money four or five years there killing those things with with snowmobiles.
0: Yeah, you always hear those old time stories about those guys that they would kill enough in a winter to buy a new snowmobile or buy a new pickup. You know, this is crazy yeah. to me that,
2: yeah, they yeah, were you... that
0: efficient and the cow's worth that amount of money. Just imagine,
1: Jeff, if they were worth 500 bucks a piece. <laughs> Where you'd be today, right? Being right, you'd be yeah. Doing damn podcast. No, you'd that's be a... sitting on a at a pool in Las Vegas. <laughs>
0: that's right. <laughs> uh, maybe someday, right? So, maybe someday. Yeah.
1: So that's <laughs> no. my uh pathetic first coyote kind of story. <laughs> have,
0: have you called him ever? Yeah. Been out a one few times. time. One time. One time. One you didn't time. Didn't have your with, brother calling uh, for you, did you? No, but he was no?
1: with me on a different side of the hill. Oh, gotcha. And I called one in and shot it real close and it was it was pretty neat I have been I have threatened to take my daughter out to do it just because it's so much fun yeah I was yeah. going to do it this winter and just never got around to it but but I need to get out there I mean it's I think it's a lot of fun especially for kids you would know better than anybody because yeah. you, you don't have to you know elk hunt, you got to go hike the hills huff the hills up and down the kids don't have a lot of you know their attention spans pretty short yeah, But to see those coyotes come in, I mean, I, I've never had a kid yeah, with yeah. me, but I'm sure their eyes get pretty pie-eyed like what in the world's going on here? <laughs> oh, am yeah. about to get pretty hooked quick.
0: Unless you have one of those days where you make like 12 blank stands in a row, you know, then they're all looking at you like, really? Yeah. What are we yeah. doing? You know, <laughs> but even yeah, then exactly. you're still moving quite a bit, you know, it's oh, you can have them stop, shoot a rabbit or something, you know, just to yeah, kind of help break up the monotony of it, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, we have a local, uh, course the local trapper the federal trapper here he's kind of a friend of mine so i always ask him where he's where he's been and where he's gonna be so <laughs> you don't want to hunt in behind him right yeah so yeah he tells me where he hasn't been yet and that's usually where i i tend to uh try to concentrate oh on yeah if for I sure <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i talked to ike a little bit i think uh i think we might try to get together for a little coyote hunt whether we film it for for the last stand or even um uh, um you know we are youtube series you know he talks about yep. some ranch you guys got up in Montana, rancher buddy you guys know real well that has a hell of a coyote problem. And I said, "That'd be kind yeah. of fun. Watch you guys bring them yeah. big guns out and just <laughs> blow these coyotes <laughs> in half." You know?
1: <laughs> hey, that's. I might even tag along on that. That's <laughs> fun. I well, I know told- that ranch. I've elk hunted on it, and it's it's pretty sweet place.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, pretty neat. We well, told me you guys even kind of got into the suppressor game here recently, huh? Like that's kind of a.
1: Yeah. My dad and I went to Africa, I don't know, before COVID 2019, and they use suppressors there. <clears throat> and it's pretty neat. I, I've never really been around them that much because they just legalized them here a few years ago in Wyoming. Yeah, so yeah. It's uh it's pretty interesting, you know. It, they're a little clumsy, more, you know, they make your gun longer, it doesn't balance as well, especially a big gun, like a big yeah. game gun. But yeah. yeah, there's a lot of advantages to it. I was pretty impressed, actually.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, like I said, I wouldn't mind taking you guys out if you have suppressors on your rifles now, you know, I'm I'm a suppressor snob, you know, I don't even hardly want to hunt coyotes with somebody if they don't have a suppressor on their gun, you know, just because it's so loud and, you know. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Does it make a difference? I mean, as far as them hearing you from a distance?
0: Well, I I think so in some cases, for sure. I think, you know, um, I was just talking about this on another podcast the other day, you know, when I first got that suppressor, I got my first one in like 2008 and one of the first things I wanted to do is see what it sounded like out there. So I had my dad shooting off the bench and I went and stood out by like the hundred yard target, like just stood like 10 feet beside the target and told him to shoot just to kind of get an idea of what it sounded like from out there, you know, where the animal is at, you know, not right where you're sitting, you know, and then I went to like 200 yards and I was amazed. I was like, wow, you don't, you can't even tell, you know, where the, you can kind of hear something, but you can't tell exactly where the, the shot's coming from. And I thought for coyotes, that's, especially if you got multiple coyotes, you know, and you blast the first one, the second one, a lot right. of times, I think a lot of times they do take off running just because the meat report, you know, that bullet <laughs> whacking the, right. the guy out standing beside him is loud, way louder than a right. shot. And I think that's what spooks them half the time. But sometimes there'll be two of them standing there, and boom, and the other one just kind of looks over, and you'll and they don't even run off. But I'm sure you probably have those same stories of guys unsuppressed, too, you know, and things like that. But Yeah, it makes it's a big,
1: difference. It did on um, big game, like I said, in Africa, because it's real brushy there. They don't want. They want to try not to make them run in the brush or run out of the country. And a lot of times when you shoot, they'll jump and move back and look around and then kind of go back to business as usual. I mean, they hear it, but it's not like, let's get out of Dodge, leave the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big thing is
0: recoil reduction, too, on these suppressors, especially shooting those big guns that you guys shoot. I mean, obviously, me shooting a two twenty three is not a huge deal, but yeah, I mean, you're shooting a big... Elk rifle or something like that. You put that suppressor on there. I mean, you have to pretty notice a a pretty good reduction in recoil, don't you? When you're shooting on those bigger guns, definitely do.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've I've prairie dog hunted with them a lot, and I mean, those ARs, you know, yeah, they they got a a pretty unique snap to them. Yeah, it's loud, and we had suppressors on. Heck, my buddy was on the phone with his office,
2: and I'm sitting there shooting (laughs) right next to him. You
1: know, there's no way you could do that without one. Yeah. And, and then I made the mistake of taking it off when I was home the next week. I was, you know, tinkering with my gun and I just drove out in the desert, jumped out of my truck and shot it with that truck behind me. And I damn near blew my ears out <laughs> without that <laughs> suppressor because I'd never shot it without it. Yeah, yeah. And I learned my lesson there. I mean, <laughs> it really does take a lot of the noise and the recoil down. You can just watch the bullets fly oh, yeah. through the scope.
0: Yeah. You're watching them. You're watching the impact, man. Like you're yeah. in a question where you hit that coyote or deer or whatever, man. It's like, Oh yeah, that was yeah. right there. Or whoops. Yep. That was a little off. Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm good. I'm, I'm glad you guys are, you know, that's, I love suppressors. I, I'm, I hope someday they get rid of all this stuff. So it's great to see you guys kind of, you know, obviously you guys are an important piece of the puzzle, you know, promoting to the, the masses and stuff like that. So I'm glad to see you guys using them and, and uh, pushing it a little bit, you know?
1: Yeah. Those are I, At the show, I can. I my dad ordered some at the show, Safari Club show, I think, out of outfit in South Dakota. Yeah, yeah. And and they're left, you know, they're making them smaller and smaller. They're not. Oh yeah. As crazy as they used to be.
2: Yep. Yeah, technology. When I
1: put one on a twenty-two, I have a little Ruger ten-twenty-two that my daughter shoots once in a while. Yeah. I mean.
2: It's I like Hollywood, shoot. right? It's like Hollywood. Yeah, I with that could thing.
1: Shoot it's like crows in my black backyard in <laughs> town, no one would even know. No, no. So all you hear is the bolt slap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
2: That's pretty, pretty
0: neat. Heck yeah. <clears throat> well, let's get back into the lion, hunting. So okay. You know, so obviously you kind of talked about your first hunt. You know, you kind of planned for that. Kind of walk us through that very first hunt. You said you were there for three weeks back and forth. You yep. know what? For somebody that's never lion hunted before, doesn't know a whole lot about it you know, why talk us through that three week period, kind of how that was all laid out and why it took that long waiting on certain okay. conditions. I'm, I'm supposed, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: The main thing with lion hunting, cause you're using dogs to track them. You have to have, you know, good tracking conditions for the dogs. Those aren't always good tracking conditions for people, <laughs> but you need, you know, snow and the right kind of snow that holds the scent. And so, you know, the best, the best conditions are fresh snow every night so basically what you do is you go out early in the morning and i mean early like two or three in the morning and look for tracks you know you cut a track once you find one you want to chase then you unload on it turn the dogs loose uh but you're pretty much done unless you're chasing a cat you're pretty much done by noon or one o'clock because you know you don't want to turn those dogs out in the afternoon and have it get dark on you so First thing that was kind of strange to me is it all happens early in the morning and then you're done. There's no evening hunt. Like nothing I've ever hunted had yeah, no yeah. evening hunt, right? That's your yeah. prime time. <laughs> None of that. Uh, and the other thing that was is strange to me is is everything was so much different than anything I ever hunted before. You know, you don't you don't have to worry about the wind. You don't have to worry about being quiet. I mean, you know, cause the dogs are chasing the cat, the cat knows you're there. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. And and the biggest surprise to me and certainly my wife, cause I took my wife up there the first time she'd never been on anything like that in her life. And, uh, and she hunts a lot. She grew up in Arizona, but never cat hunted. And, you know, Mel is the guy I went with my, my buddy up there and, and we we're just cruising and we cut a track and it was it was fresh snow and it was a female. So, you know, we didn't want to chase, you know, we I mean, don't want to kill we're hunting for a Tom, but he's like, Oh, she's right here. And I'm looking at this track. And I, you know, fashion myself as a pretty decent tracker, nothing like the guys in Africa, but I have <laughs> tracked my fair amount of wounded bull elk, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that track's like six hours old, dude. Maybe more. I'm like, you know, if I was looking at that as an elk track, I'd be like, well, that's yesterday's track. And he's like, no, no, she's right here. She's watching us right now. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? He goes, oh yeah, watch this. He got dogs out, boom, dropped them on that track. Whew, they go into the trees. This is, you know, big timber country, knee deep snow. You know, it's it's winter wonderland yeah. up there. And I'm not kidding, in less than 10 minutes, he's like, Nope, oh, they got her. I'm like thinking, what are you kidding me? Why wife's look at me like her eyes as big as horse turds going, are you kidding yeah. me? So we walk in there and that was the first cat we saw. And we walked in there and there she is in the tree and you know staring at us. And when you walk up on them, they 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 have a unique look. They're just they're pissed.
2: Oh yeah. Like they're hunters, man, So they're like, not used yeah. to
1: being hunted. <laughs> and so they they know that the jig is up and they've been caught and they're just lay, sitting in that tree pissed off. Just mad, and the Toms really get mad. But uh, you know, we left her; we didn't, didn't kill her or anything. But, but that was when I, you know, first realized this is going to be a lot different than anything I'm used to.
0: So, what do you think experiences he's had that he knew that that lion was that close?
1: He just he's killed a, and hunted and chased a lot of lions. I mean, we're talking. He's had field trial dogs. I mean, he's really into it. This guy's got ten thousand dollar dogs you know, and, and a lot of them get a fair amount of them get smoked by the cat. When you get on the right cat, you're going to lose dogs. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's just the nature of the beast and these dogs and, and don't feel too bad for the dogs. That's all they want to do. I mean, these things are bred, born bred, just like a really good bird dog. They are, that's all they want to do. You can pet them. They're nice dogs, but they don't care to be petted. They want to be turned and loose one on cats, thing, right?
0: Yeah.
2: One job. And
1: so, he knows, you know, he's been around them so much. He knows by the way they walk and how they're moving that she was hunting. She was moving through that country hunting, looking for, you know, deer mostly. And so she was moving slow and she, they kind of worked their way up a valley hunting real slow. And then sometimes, especially the toms, they'll be moving. Like they're looking for, for females constantly. Cause they don't have a breeding season. They breed whenever, yeah, whenever yeah. a female comes into heat, right? Yep. So there's no rut. So the toms are, tend to constantly be moving, and they move massive amounts of miles. Like, a lot of the toms he kills, it, sometimes uh, a lot of them come from Canada, because he's, he's killed some with ear tags that were tagged oh, wow. in Alberta, you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And so the toms are constantly kind of on the move, covering distance. The females tend to stay in one area. They have their hunting ground. That's where they raise their young and, and they just have a territory. And so, so he knew that she was there, she was hunting and she was close.
0: That's amazing. You know, the guys that do that a lot, they just have that little knack that, you know, and if you haven't yeah. done it much, whether it's anything, you know, you're just kind of always amazed at like, how in the hell did that guy know that, you know? Yep. And they can, <laughs> t-
1: you know, they're crazy. These guys, they, they measure the tracks, the stride, and they can tell pretty close you know both the sex and the size of the cat so by measuring that stride they know not only that it's a tom but how big a tom it is
0: now these guys are pretty particular too i mean obviously you're not killing females i mean that's just part of their that's just what because obviously that's what's producing more lions for them to chase down the road i mean is that their philosophy pretty much yeah
1: you know it's that's a lot of that's kind of changed over the years as more guys have kind of gotten into cat hunting and you know there's two two schools of thought on that there's a school of thought of uh, kill any killable cat if there's you know if as long as it doesn't have kittens because once you run one once they get really smart and oh really yeah there's some of these guys that just like to run them they don't ever want to kill them they just want to run their dogs on them yeah yeah well they're making the cats real smart and what happens is they end up kind of making the cats more dangerous because they get used to people, they get pissed off, they realize how to get away from the dogs, so they get real tricky
2: ah, yeah, yeah, as they
1: get older, right? And so there's a school of thought that is, any cat in the tree that's a legal cat, you know, you need to take it. Because it's such a, you know, that cat hunting, you're, you're balancing everything at the top of the food chain with that. So you're so high up the food chain that the management structure is different than, say, they would manage for elk or deer. Yep. So, and, and, t- and typically the females do most of the killing, you know, the females are the ones that are hardest on the deer uh, and elk herds and sheep and whatnot. Is that because they have some kittens? Feeding young. Yeah. Yeah. They got kittens and they become really, they're just really sly. They know their area real well. They got more mouths to feed. Whereas a tom, you know, he'll kill when he needs to eat, fill his stomach. And they c- they can eat a lot. Like some of those toms can eat. From what they've told me, Mel's told me 10, 10 to 20 pounds of meat in one feeding, and then they don't need to eat for a week. Oh, wow. So they'll kill a deer, eat 20 eat pounds, a bit and of it. back on the move they go, and they don't need to kill again for a week. Whereas a female's living in an area, and she's constantly hunting and feeding you know, her young ones or other cats. That's where you see pictures of like four or five cats together. Yeah, Usually yeah. a female that's killed one and other females come in and eat it because they're not super territorial. Yeah. Now, if a tom kills it, he's not going to let any other nothing come into it.
2: Oh, um, so. That's
0: interesting, you know, because obviously in coyote hunting, that's what we talk about is educating coyotes and coyotes getting pressured and coyotes getting smarter and this and that. You know, it's I never really thought of, but lions doing the same thing. You know, I mean they are a predator yeah. and they are pretty smart. You know, so that is crazy. To- yeah,
1: pre- I think predators. Just the way they're designed, I, I think that predators, and you know this from hunting coyotes, they they have a third dimension to their ability to think and reason beyond an elk and a deer or just an ungulate, yep. you know, a prey animal. They can sort things out quicker and in a different dimension than just a deer. A deer just run for cover. Yeah, You know, a cat or a predator will assess a situation, weigh its options, <laughs> And decide on one you know yeah yeah i I think they have to do that because they're the fight or flight and most prey animals are just flight
2: flight yep so
1: you know and that's it's just really interesting because you know the cat each cat has a different personality you know some are real shy some are real aggressive you know they're just a lot like a lot like dogs i mean they just really a different personality, and you can see that when you're chasing them, or when once you get them in the tree, because these guys sometimes they've treed the same cat two or three times, and they'll walk up and go, "Oh, I know that cat," because you know they all look the same to me, but to them, you know, it's got a certain rip in its ear, or a scar on its face, or something, yeah, yeah. You know, unique about it.
0: So, so they're measuring these tracks, and and then and they can tell the difference. Is there something different in the track between a female and a and a male track?
1: Yeah. The, the actual pads. On, yeah. The pad are built different.
0: Built
2: a little pads bit different. The,
1: the, uh, the pads on a female were more teardrop shaped and on the male, they're more rounded oval shaped like your thumb. So, so the pad it, you know, on their not, four
0: toes, then that's what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're toes. Toe pads. Yeah.
1: Huh. yeah. And the, and of course the males will be a lot bigger. I mean, we see a great big track. You're like, Oh, that's a male for sure. But there's a lot of them that are in that, mid-range and it's hard to tell without really looking at the, the pads and so then if you're hunting can... in wolf country it's <clears throat> which there's wolves up there too that it adds a whole nother level of complexity because in the deep snow the, the tracks can be can be fairly difficult sometimes to tell apart
0: oh between a wolf and a lion
1: oh, yeah really yeah you have to look for the claws you know on the wolf track
0: you yep, yep. won't have any yep.
1: claws in the track but if it's real kind of puffy fluffy snow Sometimes that can be hard to go a long ways to really find a good imprint to take, you know, to make sure.
0: Now in that wolf country, are some of those line guys a little hesitant to turn their dogs out with, yeah. you know, cause they're barking and the, you know, you're yeah. a mile behind trying to catch up to them and the wolves beat you to them and tear them up kind of a deal.
1: Yep. Yep. That's very dangerous for the dogs in wolf country because the wolves hear the dogs and come to, you know, come to it territorial and just, you know, those, those hounds don't have a stand a chance. Once the wolves come, they, oh, yeah. just, they tear them apart. How big,
0: how big are those so, hounds? Are there like 30, 40 pound dogs, maybe 30, 40 pound dogs or a little bit bigger?
1: Yeah. Very. Some of those guys will run smaller ones. Some have bigger ones, depending on the breeds, a lot of mixes. I mean, these guys are nuts about these dogs. I mean, they have, this is mixed with that. Like Mel that I hunted with, he'll, uh, mix in some greyhound about every third or fourth generation into those dogs so they, they're faster oh yeah so they have a little longer legs a little better stride a little quicker because once once you turn loose it's all about time that cat he knows he's being chased and he's getting tricky but when the dogs start really closing the distance he starts to panic so you want dogs that are fast that can close that distance quick and get him up a tree if your dogs aren't fast the cat can just fool with them for a, a whole day, for two days. I mean, he's told me stories where he's, ha- he's been out on a cat for two or three days Jeez. on a track, you know, with his dogs, because the cat's just too, just too smart, too tricky. Gets in the rocks, runs down a, a limb, jumps to another tree, you know, just all kinds run up a tree, down a tree. So the dogs, I mean, they just get so smart. It's unbelievable some of the stories these guys have. <laughs> <laughs> so most of them like mel a lot of them will want to uh they bobcat hunt a lot with these dogs okay and bobcats yeah. are super tricky super tricky and a lot of these guys will tell you lion hunting when they get to a certain level like mel is the lion hunting is almost not much sport to them anymore the bobcat hunting is is the
0: real sport for no kid dogs so a lot Never of them will run
1: bobcats to keep the dogs to wise the dogs up to get them smarter
0: what do you think makes those bobcats a little trickier just because they're smaller they just, and more elusive or what
1: yeah i think they're they're smaller they're just they're used to being tricky you know they just they have predators unlike the you know the, the lions are like king of the jungle pretty much except the you know for the wolves but yeah yeah you know they, they don't have to worry about much they get lazy where a bobcat he's got to be sneaky and sly and he, he's just really smart about everything he does. You know, they have 101 ways to, to trick a dog. A lot of them, you know, they'll get into some of these real smart bobcats and they'll just start playing with the dogs. You know, <laughs> oh, just no playing a game, <laughs> running a big old circle, run down their own track. You know, that, that's always a real no mess. Kid. And sometimes the lions <laughs> will do it too. Once they get back on their own track, you're in trouble.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Dogs because the dogs which can't way's which.
1: tell they don't know which direction it's going so that's where the hunter comes in you got to go sort it out you know make a big circle and figure out what the cat did gather up the dogs get them back on the track and go again so that's where it gets gets oh, it's it's like nothing you've ever done man it's, so, it's such a rodeo i'm used to calling an elk in or waiting for a deer to come out at just a, at dark and this is like opposite of everything <laughs> i ever known about hunting.
0: <laughs> well that's funny you say that about bobcats cuz i've called in a bunch of bobcats over the years you know your you coyote hunting and i i yeah. feel like bobcats are the most stupid animal ever. Like when you're yeah. calling them they just they're just like don't care. They just they're sneak they're sneaky. Obviously they're very stealthy when they're coming to the call but they just they could look at you and they could i mean they just don't really care for yeah for you to tell me that they are they have a different dimension to them when it comes to the dogs chasing them yeah. and, you know sneaky I, I and tricky there. The, you must
1: be just tricking them so much that they just don't believe their, their senses. You know, they just believe there's has to be something there and they're going to get it. You know, they just yeah. don't believe their eyes. They don't believe their nose. They just, you've tricked them beyond their level of comprehension. It's cause be. they're, t- they're tough to trap too. You know, trappers you know struggle with the Bobcats cause they can be, tr- they're just really tricky <laughs> in every way. And
0: so oh
2: yeah, so
1: a lot of the cat guys will run Bobcats, but, you know, the bobcats are worth money. So, Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. Almost like trapping because they'll shoot (laughs) them and sell the, sell the hides. But
0: (laughs) so back to that first hunt, you, you treat that female, um, right. That was the first one with your wife. Was that the, was that the first hunt you're talking about? Yeah. So you, he said, Hey, I know it's there. You treat this female. So then progress through the rest of that hunt, how that first hunt went for you.
1: Well, then we went further up the drainage and, cut a, a male track and that's that's not uncommon because a lot of times the males will be ghosting or kind of following the females to see if they come into heat and then they if they don't they move on so we went further up the drainage and there was a, a tom track so we turned loose on it dog go 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 for about an hour and finally get it in a tree oh we got him so get my bow and everything and hike up there and waste deep snow get up to the tree dogs are going crazy I'm looking for a cat I'm like where I mean it's 150 pound cat in this tree it's got to be here somewhere right yeah we're looking and even Mel's looking like man what the heck and he's looking starts looking the next tree over because sometimes they will jump from a tree to a tree also my wife goes oh it's a bobcat right there oh jeez. bobcat on the limb just staring at us scared to death you know so <laughs> So that was my wife's nickname. Mel calls her Bobcat. (laughs) She saw
2: that Bobcat.
1: We just let it be. But that's one of the risks, you know, when you're turning loose, where there's lots of cats. This is a high cat density area. Is the dogs don't know the difference. I mean, a cat's a cat. And those Toms are smart. Like that Tom, I'm pretty sure knew he was being chased. And he went and found that Bobcat and tangled his tracks up with the Bobcat's tracks. And then they ran the Bobcat and he just kept on... Kept on going. We never did catch him.
0: I suppose that's probably an issue just with lions, too. I mean, you turned out on a big lion track and you get to the tree and it's a little dinky one. And you're like, well, what the hell happened? Yep. Right. And that same yep. kind a lo- of thing. A sometimes. lot of
1: times that's happened to me just three or four times in my limited experience where you turn out on a tom and end up running a, a female up the tree. He, he knew she was there, knew he was being chased. And he went and tangled himself up with her tracks and you end up with a female and he skedaddles, you know, gets out on an open hillside with sun and, and then you're toast because it very little scent on the tracks then so i mean gotcha. there's there's ways they can get away from you
0: when you're turning out on these cats what's typical i mean i'm sure it varies but you know what's like the shortest tracking job you guys have had versus like the longest rodeo like you talked about you know with dogs Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I need to take a second to tell you a little bit about Lucky Duck Predator Calls. Now, if you followed the podcast for any amount of time, you know that's my go-to electronic call. If you're in the market for a new e-call and want to see what Lucky Duck has to offer, you can go to their website, which is luckyduck.com, and you can see their entire lineup of e-calls from the low-end Rebel to the high-end supervolt. They offer a Predator Call that can fit any budget in any circumstance. So, Check out what they have to offer. You can see some of their innovative features like being able to spin the call in 360 degrees, built-in decoys, and of course, their innovative sound library produced by none other than Rick Paulette. So, if you're in the market for a new e-call, visit LuckyDuck.com to see what they have to offer. Now, back to the podcast.
1: I've been pretty lucky. I've never had an overnighter, but all the guys I've hunted with have numerous times where they've turned out and the dogs are going all night. And... I mean, you got to just stay out there with them and try to wrangle them up. I mean, it's all, the other thing, it's all about the road systems. So, you know, you turn out here and they go, okay, they're going this way. Where's the next road we can get closer. So then you drive all the way around because they have tracking collars, GPS on them. So you can see where they're at. And then all of a sudden they're coming closer to you again. So then you're sitting there, here they come, here they come. And I've had them go shoot right across the road in front of you like a cat the cat just shoots oh, across the road in front of you and then here comes the dogs right <laughs> after it chasing i mean it is a fiasco <laughs> noise and bells going off and barking and i mean it's it's crazy but so you know some of you just don't know some of these guys will turn loose like mel killed a giant cat the same year i had the tag he killed his before I came up there in a, the next unit over and he hunted that he chased that cat on five different occasions, for almost a week straight. He would run Holy the cat they couldn't get him he would gathers dogs up at night, go come back the next morning with more different dogs turn them loose. He went through four sets of dogs in five days chasing that cat before he finally got it and that cat would not go up a tree. He just bayed up on the ground. He wouldn't climb the tree. No, he'd been kid. run a lot. He was an old cat, huge cat. And Mel wanted to shoot him with a bow, but he had bayed up on the ground. And those dogs would circle him and he'd suck one of them in and just rough it up and let it go. And they go round and around. He suck another one in, <laughs> oh, tear, tear it up, let it go. And so he was going to lose his dogs. So he ended up shooting it with his pistol, but it's like the number two cat in Montana. It was a giant, like almost 200 pounder. I mean, oh, wow. it's huge. If he would have shot it with his bow, I think it would have been number two in the world. But wow. it's an old, old cat. I mean, just a huge cat. And he'd been run before, and he knew not to go up that tree. He was going to gonna clean those dogs out. And once those cats realize they can kill a dog, then you're in real trouble because your dogs are.
0: So for him not wanting to shoot with a bow, is that because he didn't want a broadhead flopping yeah. around and his dogs getting sliced yeah. up by the broadhead? Is that kind of the theory yeah. behind that? yeah. Yeah, you can't
1: because the, the way that works is, I mean, the dogs are really the hunters. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and fool anybody. It, it, the dogs are doing the hunting, right? Yeah. You get in there once you get to the tree, it's it's an execution basically. I mean, you're just
2: oh yeah, yeah,
1: taking a cat out. Yeah. It's not yeah. The hunt's over once the cat goes up the tree, pretty much. But what, what the way that works is when you get to the tree, the cat's in the tree, and if you're going to kill it, you have to pull the dogs off and chain them up on leashes chain them to the trees so that you can kill the cat and it comes down otherwise it'll fall on dogs especially if you're bow hunting because you don't want that broadhead you know coming out into the dog somewhere oh, yeah or
0: whatever yeah.
1: so you know you shoot them cat falls out of the tree then you let the dogs loose and they go maul the cat that's kind of like their um
2: Not a reward yeah.
1: reward for it so yeah they go yeah. they don't do much to it they just you know, it's like they think they're killing it and then <laughs> yeah, it's dead yeah. and they're off looking for the next one. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of the process, but yeah, d- to do it on the ground, like that's, it's just dangerous with the dogs. I mean, it is complete chaos when you come up on one that way.
0: Typically what, I mean, it seems like bow hunting is pretty popular. Is is that yeah. because it's just, obviously the shot's not a challenge. I mean, you're shooting a cat, what, ten yeah. ten 10 to 20 yards up in a tree. It's not a far shot. Yeah. So it's. Yeah.
1: 50 feet up would be pretty high yeah it's a little tricky to get a, a shot window i mean on them because they get up in those branches and so it could be a little bit of a trick and there's tricks to shooting up with your bow at that angle kind of it, it can change your you know your anchor points and stuff yeah, yeah. at that angle um, but it's yeah gotta be most a pain. Guys,
0: it's got to be a pain dragging a bow through all that brush chasing those dogs it is. I think I just most like, old time
1: cat hunters just have a pistol, just a pistol 44 like just 44. They think, Oh, okay. You, you Cowboys want to shoot it with a bow. Well, go ahead. <laughs> you know, here you go. It's, but they're tough. I'm telling you right now, they're tough. Well, I yeah, like to When you hit one, I've always been curious, you know, you before. don't see
0: a lot of, you don't see a lot of kill shots on lions. You know, does it, I mean you, if you hit them perfect, I mean, like where's a perfect shot on a lion? You trying Keep to heart. get the heart? Is it, you know, so what's funny to me, some predators are a little bit different. Like a, a coyote's heart is right behind the front leg. Like it's almost even a touch forward of the front leg. Or like in, you know, deer elk, you know, it's right kind of in that pocket, right in that yeah. armpit, you know. Is it cats mm-hmm. a little
2: forward forward or yes.
0: Yep. Yes.
1: Just just like most predators, their their shoulder blade comes way forward on their body you know that's where their strength is Mm -hmm. and so if you shoot them behind the shoulder like you would shoot an elk you're going to get the lungs and maybe even the liver i mean you have to go like up the leg like you got to basically shoot them like you would never ever want to shoot an elk because it would just hit them
0: yeah the biggest thickest meat and bone
1: the bone you know their their shoulder blade so you got to shoot them pretty far forward um but they're just, they're really tough. You hit them in the lungs. It just takes them forever to die.
0: Does it knock them out of the tree? Usually when you hit them there and then they, they run away, uh-uh. like, or they just sit up in the tree. Most until of the time they'll just sit in
1: a tree until they, die. until they die. Yeah. And then they, once they die, usually they loosen up and they fall out of the tree, but sometimes they'll hang up uh, up there and you got to climb up.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask, I have seen that before where guys <laughs> had to yeah. shoot me up the tree and shake the tree yeah. and try to get them to <laughs>
2: fall yeah. out of there. <laughs>
1: I've seen them where you can't get a shot, and, you you know, guys will, if they can't get a good shot window, guys will grab a big branch and smack the tree and get the cat to move around, you know, into a better shooting angle for you. But for the most part, yeah, you got to get them in the, in the heart.
0: Once, uh, I've always, this so, so once you kill, do you usually just pack it, the whole thing out, or usually skin it right there? Yeah.
1: It depends, oh, pack it depends the on
0: pack, just pack the whole thing out.
1: Yeah. It depends on the state, you know, Montana, you, you know, you got to take all the meat in Wyoming. You don't. So in Wyoming, I killed one, a cat here in Wyoming, not with dogs, just it's on my wife and you know, you don't have to take the meat out. We took Brandon who was with me, works at the office, took some of it, you know, cause he wanted to try eating it. But yeah. Yeah. I guess it's all. right. I've never eaten it, but I guess it's pretty good. It's that's
0: what I've heard. You, I,
1: it's, it's, it looks like pork. It's real light white meat when you cook it. And the, when it's, you know, when the meat's fresh, it's real light colored. It's not dark red at all. Yeah. Huh. So it's, some guys like it.
0: Yeah. I suppose it's like anything. If you didn't know exactly what you're eating, it might, you know, that's probably the, yeah. the, the mental side of eating. It's probably the worst part of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some people like it. <laughs> so you mentioned, you, so you've killed it. You've killed a lion, not using dogs. Yeah one or more have you killed have you had other chances when you've been out i know you told a story about you know
1: yeah i've had two other chances and one i did you know that time i i i I was with my wife again she's kind of like the cat she's She's never seen a grizzly bear she's lived here for 20 years never seen a grizzly bear so i never have to worry about seeing bears when i'm with her but i always (laughs) see cats when i'm with her but she had wounded a bull elk up here outside of town outside my house here yeah. where we live and uh the night before she shot it and just it wasn't that great of a shot and and we chased it chased it and then ended up coming back in the morning to get it and we were going up a drainage and this is where this is uh where i ha- actually had a cat license in my pocket because i after the first story i told you i, st- oh, I buy yeah, one yeah. every year right so I'm going, we're going up the train. He's looking for the wounded bull. And here comes a cat walks right past us, like right oh, past geez. us. And I'm like, we're just coming out of the timber. And it's only like 25 yards away, walking the opposite way. It didn't see us. And I told my wife, I said, let me see that gun. She had the gun. I grabbed the gun and boom. <laughs> and she about came out of her skin. She thought <laughs> I shot her bull. Oh, geez. She's like, why'd you shoot my, finish my bull off? What the heck? And I'm going, no, I shot a cat. She goes, what's someone's cat doing up here? I thought it was someone's house cat. I go, yeah, no, it's a mountain lion. And we had a gal that was filming for us at the office, Lindsay. So it was me, my wife, and Lindsay. So me and two gals. And they both looked at each other like horse turd eyes going, you shot a lion? I go, yeah, a mountain lion just walked right past us she's like do you have a tag i go yeah of course i have a tag it's yeah. <laughs> like is it open i go it's always open yeah, yeah. wyoming man
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> so i shot it ended up being a big female but i you know when you kill one you got to have it checked you know by the game of fish and they come take a tooth and do a bunch of biological gather biological data for them and stuff and and chris who's a game warden here lives just up the street from me. he's a really good guy i've known him for years he's like I know this cat. He goes, look at that. He pulled up the paw and she had missed uh, one of her toes was missing. You know, she was caught in a trap a few years ago and got away on us because she had been harassing the rancher down below who has sheep. Oh, really? She had killed, yeah, she had killed a bunch of their sheep. So he's like, I bet you a hundred bucks if you call him, i i bet you they'll let you hunt on their place because you did them an, a favor <laughs> and, and uh, eliminated a huge headache for me because I've been having to deal with this for three years of so them calling about this cat and we couldn't get it killed. So he was pretty excited to get her, get her out of there.
0: Oh, that's wild. Would you yeah. shoot that? would you shoot that one with? It was like a big, like 300 or something. Uh, I think it was a two seventy short mag. Really? Did it fold it right yeah. up or?
1: No, like I said, they're tough. It hit it and just, whip zip through it and ran off and then died 50 yards yeah yeah but you know their bones aren't real heavy you know they're not i think they're more muscle than bone yeah like yeah. their bones are pretty light so usually uh you know and of course like a cat they're super agile so a lot of times when you shoot them and i've done this because i filmed them especially i had that one on film. you can't tell it's really hard to tell if you hit them because they just don't react like a a deer, and elk would, you know, their, their reflexes are so fast. As soon as that bullet hits them, they're out of there. Yeah. Gone. They literally die moving. They won't go lay down or anything. They're
0: Bobcats the same way. You'll shoot them and they'll jump three, four feet in the air. You're like, wow, I thought I got to hit that thing pretty good. Nope. Well, I did, but yeah, it just, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I've never seen just an instantaneous kill on one. Maybe if you hit them in the head or something, but you know, they're pretty tough.
0: High shoulder, man. High shoulders got to work on yeah. a lion, right? If you had a high shoulder <laughs> shot, you know, <laughs> break them down at least. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, man,
1: I, I've seen them. I've seen them do to the dogs. You don't want any part of one of those suckers, you know. If it ever got on you. Yeah
0: somehow. what's the what's the worst thing you've seen? I mean, have you seen some dogs just just tore? I mean, come back. Yeah, I they mean, could,
1: they, it is. a they'll just crush a dog skull. Just get just crushed it. just
0: that's that fast
1: now one time mel and i walked up there's a cat i ended up shooting walked up on a we had a tom in a tree and he's up there and we walk up and his dog's like barking but one of his dogs is barking but it's like sound like he's wheezing
2: oh jeez i'm like
1: what the heck i look down the dog's like blown up like a balloon I'm like what the heck is dog i mean he doesn't have fat dogs right ever and i mean this thing just looked like an overfed (laughs) dingo or something right and we looked down and that cat had bit that dog right here on the throat and the shoulder and punctured into its lungs and by barking it was the air was going under the skin and blew it up like a balloon
2: oh jeez
1: yeah yeah and he took it to the vet and they sewed it up and dog recovered and was chasing cats again in a month i mean it's just crazy but he's he's had do- uh cats swat the dog so hard in the face that it pops their eye out of the socket i mean he he had this is a crazy one he had a I should get him on the podcast he had a was chasing a cat the, the game of fish calls him a lot up there when they have problem cats to come chase them for them so they can okay. euthanize yeah. them even in the off season. Cause yeah. you just don't, I mean, there's a lot of areas that are not rural. I mean, you're in neighborhoods and stuff and these oh, cats yeah. will get in there yeah. and they want to get them out of there. Right. Well, he had a, he went over to, um, to, uh, oh, the neighboring town. It's a, uh, it's a big ski area resort town, you know, and okay. it's in the winter. So a lot of, there are a lot of second homes you know p- vacation homes so no yep. one's in these houses they had a cat they wanted a problem he had killed a, a bunch of dogs they love killing dogs like a, a dog on a chain
2: oh, in a yeah. yard
1: money the cat <laughs> will just go up and kill it and just walk away you know, it's like just like that yeah. really makes people mad right <laughs> so they wanted to get this thing out of there but it was a big tomcat it was a big cat and it had been run before and it was real sneaky and so he took his dogs over there turned loose on it and uh, the the, do- the cat ran underneath someone's porch, and in like a big porch, like a crawl space kind of thing. So there yeah. was like under the porch and then into a crawl space. So there's one door in, and that cat had figured out he'd obviously been run before that he he could kill the dogs as they came through the door. Oh,
0: one at a time.
1: Yeah, so he killed all four dogs. as they they went through the door into that crawl space of course they ended up killing the cat but all the four all four dogs got it in the process one thing those cats can't do is they can't multitask this is the way i got it figured. this is my my theory i've put gopros on some of these dogs and watched what happens a cat versus one dog no problem it'll take it on but if there's multiple dogs it doesn't know what to do And so the confusion makes it run or run up a tree. So that's why you you want to turn your dogs loose all at once. So you have multiple dogs show up at once. If one dog happens to show up before the others, he's in trouble. Really fast, one
0: will get it first, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So you got to, you got to, you know, you definitely don't want to uh, chase cats with one dog, but if uh, once they figure out and some of the really old, uh, cats will figure this out if they if they take one dog out and they concentrate on them one at a time those dogs are in trouble and that's what happened when those dogs are going through the the hole in the just pow in the pow. foundation you just pow, pound them as it, it, one at a time as they come through you know now if they're all there at once he, he
0: he's
2: dipping and diving and do. going after them.
1: as soon as he grabs one the others jump on him so it let's go a bit. And it just, that's what, it's just a dog pile. So it, it's, it's like nothing you've ever <laughs> seen And they are so fast, so fast.
0: I like a good rodeo, man. Out There yeah. you know, <laughs> Lots of cursing and yelling and scrambling and, you know, you know, that makes it fun. <laughs> yeah. I um, had
1: one in Montana in, in Colorado that came out, came out of the tree on us. I was just getting ready to shoot it. It came out of the tree. And so just when like dope just dove. We're I mean, talking yeah, about
0: it just, just launched itself.
2: Yeah,
1: launched, like like those flying squirrels. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen them go. <laughs> oh my god! Like fifty feet up, just <sighs> jump, and you're like, "Oh, that thing's gonna break its legs when it hits the ground." Nope, poof. poof hits the ground, running, gone. <laughs> but that's what this cat did, and it it circled around us. The dogs got back on it, started chasing, the circle around us, and went in a culvert in the road. <laughs> Big problem. <laughs>
2: because oh, then the
1: dogs go in the culvert one at a time so the cat goes in there turns around and here come the dogs and it it sounded like a war underneath <laughs> that road and johnny i was with a friend of mine named johnny iconized buddy down there who was hat, runs the cats and he's like oh my gosh he's going crazy like cat guys will go nuts if a cat goes in a culvert because that is their dogs are going to get toast right get <laughs> yeah. tore up So we start pounding on the culvert, trying to get out of there. And all of a sudden, the cat came back down the way he came in and went out the same way he came in. Because we're pounding the culvert, waiting for him to come out. And, you know, somehow, and this is a little culvert. He had turned around in there with those dogs and went over the top of all those dogs and stripped one of their collars off in the process and came out the same way he went in oh it was it was a fiasco it was so you guys you guys were on
0: the opposite end thinking he was just going to continue on through like straddling it waiting for him to come running out with your gun ready kind of a deal yeah
1: did you dan you know dan's working for us he's on the where he went into the culvert he's pounding on it with a stick and a rock and all of a sudden the cat comes out the end he's pounding on instead of (laughs) the other end right into his lap i mean oh it's it's crazy (laughs) Uh, (laughs) like I said, it is, is like nothing you've ever done before hunting wise. (laughs)
2: Well,
0: you know, I have been cat hunting one time and it was, it was in, in Wyoming, up around Laramie peak and it was late in the spring. Um, so there was no snow and the guy kind of had an opening, you know, and I said, it'd be kind of fun to go do this. And he's like, well, we'll just do it dry track. And, you know, we'll just, I'll just, we'll just go hike up in there. So we just went hiking probably six miles, but the dogs finally cut a track. Well, at that point, you know, we don't know what it is so like you've talked about you know these mom and kittens we keep you know we he knows you know these guys have those trackers so they know when the dogs are barking and when they have a treat so we start up the canyon we get up there and it's a mom and three kittens but the kittens are like all the same size as her you know so it's like
2: okay big big kittens like so it looked
0: to me that was the first mountain lion i'd ever seen in the wild but they all looked like big like holy crap there's like four big mountain lions in this tree you know and (laughs) You know, and the, the kittens, it was funny because the kittens weren't, they didn't care. They were like, two of them were asleep on the limb already, but the mom, she was like all over the place. She was one out and she finally launched herself and we knew we weren't going to shoot it, you know, at that point. So he's like, and he was like, you said, he was like, man, we got to get this, these dogs rounded up here because you know, I don't want, you know, any of my dogs to get hurt. Well, about that time she launched herself off the tree down into this big boulder field. And all, of course, all the dogs. And of course that guy's like, Oh, hey, you know, he's just pissed now. Oh, hell day, You know, God dang it. We got to get the dogs, you know, <laughs> and the kittens are still there up in the tree. So we take off down this boulder field draw and they, they cornered her in this little cave and he's, you know, he's freaking out. Like you talking about the culvert, he's like, Oh my God, we got to get him out of here. And he's shocking them and trying to get them. And pretty soon all these dogs start coming out and three or four of them were ripped up pretty good, you know, or, you know, probably they, oh, yeah. a couple of them had to have stitches, you know, but he was the same way. He was just kind of pissed that he knew it was going to get <laughs> ugly, you know, once, <laughs> once they cornered that cat in the boulders and then the little caves in there, you know, <laughs> uh,
1: Those cat, the cat guys, the serious cat guys, they are unique individuals. I will say that they are all a half a bubble off, man. And they'll even tell you that. I mean, they, they love doing it. They're real passionate about it, but it's like they, Oh, it's like they never expect it to be a rodeo and it always is <laughs> you know it's always about half the time it's a complete debacle and then they're all pissed about it it's like you know about half of these are going to end up being a debacle they yeah, always yeah. are no matter what what you do but <laughs> it's like they always think it's going to be just go smooth and it oh it never works out that way there's always
0: it's something. amazing me how, you always know i wonder something. what you know everybody kind of has their own passion you know like I mean, sure. Like we all like to hunt, but you know, what made those guys, you know, love the lions, you know, what makes me love the coyotes? What makes you love chasing a big, you know, 200 inch mule deer, you know, I always, yeah, it's always interesting to me, you know, how everybody kind of has their own little ticks and be like, oh, that's, yep. for whatever reason that appeals to them, you know, maybe it's the chaos Most, of, of that.
1: I think they, yeah, those cat guys, they like all the chaos and they're really into the dogs and a lot of them don't hunt other stuff. Like they're so into it. That's what they do. They do cats. Like they may shoot elk for meat in the freezer or something, but they're so into it. That is what they do. That's all they think about.
0: When, when they're up there traveling those roads, you know, those forest service roads and stuff. I mean, are they a lot of snowmobile? I mean, when you're talking about, you were talking about walking through like knee deep snow and stuff like that. They have, are they using snowmobiles a lot of times or just big trucks, track vehicles? What? What a lot of those guys whatever using?
1: it takes man they'll take the truck as far as it'll go and if they have to go further they'll get a snowmobile or a track ranger on tracks i've done it all the above the snowmobile gets tricky because it's hard to haul the dogs on them but
0: but guys, Hell, that's got to be half know. a that's got to be a rodeo just in itself sometimes yeah. probably traveling
1: those yeah. those roads yeah. on the side
0: of a mountain with snow that deep and vehicles yeah going off the edge and
1: it'll make you nervous. I mean, you're out in the middle of nowhere in the dead of winter, 10 below zero, knee deep snow, and you're turning loose on some animal. You don't know where you're going to end up. I mean, it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. it's wild.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. And then you, you know, you, you know, it can be tricky because you get blunt, you get played out walking in that much snow. It's tiring, you know, and you just oh, yeah. don't have a choice. So some of those trees up in Montana there, I mean, we hit parts where it was chest deep, like literally chest deep snow up a mountain straight up to where oh. the cat is. You know, those, <laughs> those dogs had that cat in a tree for two hours, two or three hours before we could get to it. I mean, it's just, it's just oh. crazy.
0: Yeah. What do, now you said you've hunted lions in a few different states. What, any difference in those states really that you've noticed? Is it all oh, pretty similar techniques and tactics and stuff
1: pretty similar you get down to the southwest the desert southwest nevada and arizona and stuff and it's it's different because they don't get the snow so they'll do a lot of like you know dry ground like what you did yeah yeah um or you know strike what they'll do is they have a dog that they'll put on top of their truck chain it up there it's like a strike dog so they just cruise the roads and it just strikes when it smells a cat and then they stop Oh wow! Get the dog out and see if there's a trail there for yeah. a scent and turn it loose. That's what they'll do, like in the fall or or down south where they don't get get the snow. Um, they'll look for tracks in the in the dust in the road or strike strike them, which is it's effective. You got to have real good dogs to do it, but
2: yeah, yeah, it's
1: just a little more tricky. I'd like to do that sometime. I've never. I would like to hunt. Uh, big cats in that mesquite country like down in Nevada. Yeah, in yeah. That big big mesquite country. I think that'd be pretty neat. Cause I've most of the cat hunting I've done's been in the big timber mountains, you know, not out in the desert type. it will be
2: country. a lot
0: easier walking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can. I
1: I've heard those guys say that and they see the the chase a lot. Like they'll get oh, like you're a, across a looking and you can see down them? and you can see the oh, that'd dogs be a lot and fun. A cat you know running through the over the ridges and down the ridges and stuff. So it's a little bit more unique experience, I think, for a lot of guys. So I'd like you know, to I, was, that.
0: I was thinking of those iconic pictures you've seen of the lions and the dog, like the lion out on the rock cliff edge, you know, and the yeah. dogs kind of have it, you know, I wonder if that it probably, that just kind of reminds me of that, you know, thinking of those pictures when you see something cool like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So to kind of finish things up, you know, obviously, probably a lot of guys listen to this. Hopefully I have a chance to go maybe hunt lions someday, you know, with dogs. But a lot of guys live in in mountain lion country um, and they're out calling coyotes and, and bobcats and things like that. Anything that you can think of that would translate, um, you know, the vast amount of knowledge you've picked up on, on these lion hunts you've done with dogs, any of that would translate over to guys that maybe specifically looking to try to call in a lion at some point? Anything that you can Yo. think of that would stand out?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, the main thing is knowing if one's there. You know, you're talking about real low density animals. So you could have yeah, yeah. 10 creek drainages and there's only one cat. So being able to pick up on the signs that he's there and close, like if he could find a kill, because a lot of times they'll have a kill and those, especially the females, will come back to it. They'll eat, fill themselves up, leave for a day or two, they'll pat it up. Like mm-hmm. a bear does, bear kind of bury yeah. it, and then it'll come back to it, back and forth. If you could find something like that, there's a cat close by, definitely close enough to call. Um, tracks, you know, being able to read the tracks. If you find some, um, whether it's a moving cat or if it's one like what we talked about at the beginning, one that's hunting in that area, um, they're they're really, you know, susceptible to calling. I've heard, I've never done it myself, but I know guys that a fair amount of guys who've called them in mostly by accident yeah yeah because that they happen to be here. there but yep. you know they, they are they're a curious animal you know I, I think like even the rabbit calls I don't even know if they're coming in to necessarily eat it they're just wondering what in the world's going on you know because uh, they're super territorial so I think they're wondering what in the world's doing that in my area you know is this a another cat that's moved in or what the heck's going on here? So, you know, I think just if you can tell a cat's in the area, I think you have a decent chance of calling them in. If, if anything, just off the curiosity factor.
0: Oh, you bet. I heard, I heard I need to have Rick. So Rick Paulette records all the sounds on those lucky duck e-calls that we use, you know, and I yeah. heard I need, I need to get a porcupine in distress uh, for the mountain lions. Is that true?
1: Yeah. They like <laughs> porcupines. I, you know, I have not seen this, but I, guys i've hunted with in colorado have seen it a lot and it's it's a really strange phenomenon with those things is that uh when you're chasing a cat especially a tom mostly the toms they'll they'll kill a porcupine they'll go out of their way to kill a porcupine it's like they take their frustration out on it yeah (laughs) it sounds really strange (laughs) but i've heard that from two different guys that they have come across a fair amount of porcupine kills, you know, when they're chasing the cat, that the cat had to have known the porcupine was there, and ran over to it, flipped it over, zipped its guts open, eats some of the guts out of it, and then keeps on going, and I don't know if they do it out of frustration, (laughs) or if there's some kind of nutrient there that like it's this uh, is going this is going to
0: boost me through the next yeah. hillside here to Give get away little, from these dogs.
1: <laughs> little energy boost or something but they they know how to kill a porcupine by flipping it over and they'll and then the crazy thing is you kill one they don't have a single quill in them. They will flip a porcupine, eat its guts out, rough it up to hell and not have a single quill anywhere no in it. in its <laughs> mouth, its face, nothing. And its paws so they're really, really crafty. I mean, they are basically kill on demand animals.
0: Surgical precision, right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. You and know, I don't know what kind of noise a porcupine makes, but I know yeah, I that don't they know. really they
0: probably don't make a noise. Really <laughs> like to
1: eat porcupine uh, <laughs> guts. So, you
0: know, I read a, a a buddy of mine, Dustin, was telling me about a there. They collared a couple lions in New Mexico here. I don't know if it was last year, and they did like a six month survey and followed these lions and were looking at their diet, and. It was like porcupines and beavers were like the highest portion of the biggest percentage of the diet of these two lions that they tracked it was, you know, and they even oh. kill each lion killed a couple of coyotes. And I mean, it was, it was whooping cranes. I mean, it was it's just the weirdest damn thing. One of them must've been living on a river. I think whatever one of those main rivers in New Mexico is, it was uh, kind of goes by Albuquerque, but uh, so obviously that was not a, mountain lion living yeah. in, the, in the mountains but um so yeah i was curious you know it just you just everybody thinks that oh they're just killing deer and you know maybe a elk occasionally or whatever you know but i guess you don't think that they're predators man they're probably going to eat whatever they can get their hands on
1: yeah they're opportunists for sure uh, my one of my buddies from high school lives over in jackson right next to his property they have a a trumpeter swan nesting area because it's a spring creek so it never freezes so they have these trumpeter swans the game of fish dumped a bunch of money into buying this property and rehabbing it to grow trumpeter swans and the damn cats killed them all oh jeez those cats were so smart he eventually killed them Uh, my buddy did but it took him three or four years to get them all killed it was a female and then she had three adult kittens that grew up to adults and then a male there's like five of them, but they knew it was mostly the female. She knew that when, when it snowed wet snow in the spring, that those swans couldn't fly very well when they're wet and she'd go over and just hammer one or two of them, the nope. kittens would eat them. It, it's crazy. It'd be just this pile of just two wings and a beak. <laughs> it's about all that was left. But yeah, she, she killed all those swans and the game of fish guys like, man, if you could kill those cats get them killed that's they're eating our swans they are all pissed <laughs> off because it was kind of in a not a residential area but it was a, a subdivision where everybody had like 50 acre 30 acre lots but de- you know it's over there in yuppieville none of them hunt yeah yeah so they couldn't get these cats killed my buddy was like he had the, the biggest piece of property in the area but he and he hunted so game fish was like man buy a license and kill those cats because they'd come on his back porch quite a bit during the winter and look in the windows which you see photos online of that a lot for some reason they they like to come on a back porch and i don't know if they look inside or they're looking at their reflection in the window yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, you see those pictures sit there for hours on on a back porch and so he eventually got them all killed with the old back porch routine (laughs) but That's Yeah. So they're, I guess back to your point, they're opportunists. I think they'll eat just about anything they come across. You know, if they're hungry, whatever they come across is in real
0: trouble. Oh yeah, for sure. So last thing, you know, you deal a lot with big game stuff. Predator management is an important part of all this, you know, what, uh, I mean, what's your, what's, what's your kind of spiel, I guess, when you talk to somebody in regards to predator management, whether it's mountain lions or wolves, coyotes, or whatever it may be, do you got, specific points that you usually try to bring up when, when you're talking about things like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people don't understand, you know, the cat, especially the cat hunting or probably don't understand the coyote killing because you're not eating them or whatever, but they, they you know, you got to explain to them or I try to explain to them anyway that, you know, everything has to be managed. These predators, especially have to be managed, you know, at the top end of that food chain or it just gets out of control. And you see States that don't hunt their cats with dogs and it just becomes, they overpopulate and it gets crazy. I mean, look at California or what's happened in Colorado or over in South Dakota. I mean, if they're not, if we don't manage at the top end of the food chain, nothing else matters. It, it, it throws the whole rest of it into chaos, you know because they'll eat their way out of house and home, which, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, don't kill the cats. We like the cats. That's fine. Like my example over in Jackson, until the cats ate all the trumpeter swans, because they there's they'll eat, eat it right down to nothing, and then they're off onto something else. And there you are with zero starting all over again. That's what you know they'll do. They'll eat that, themselves out of house and home and then move on. And there you are left in the in the wake of of their yeah. destruction with nothing. So I'm you know, I'm definitely not saying kill all the cats because I like hunting them. they they serve a, a definite purpose out there in the in the uh, balance of everything but we definitely have to keep them in check or it goes out of control same with the coyotes i mean geez you can't you can't run a world where it's just coyotes are overpopulated it's it's going to be not good in a lot of ways
2: oh yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's a good point I, you know a lot of people don't understand that they think they think we hate this stuff you know it's like we hate mountain lions yeah. and we hate coyotes and we're going to try to kill them off to extinct now oh, come on we you know it's just one more one more thing and one more piece of the management tool.
1: And I, I really on, and I've said this before in my lectures and to a lot of hunters, because there are a lot of hunters that don't predator hunt. I mean, there's trans, you know, people that do both, but there's quite a few big game hunters, you know, my world that they don't hunt predators. That's they're into deer and elk hunting and that's cool. But, you know, I always say thank the predator hunters, man, because you're reaping the benefits of a lot of the hard work the predator hunters are doing. And that doesn't matter if it's the wolves, the cats or the coyotes, you know, I mean, we have healthy game herds to hunt us big game hunters because of the work you guys are doing in the wintertime, you know, taking, keeping the predators in check, all of them. So it's, you know, even if you, I guess my point is even if you're not into predator hunting, you're benefiting it from the predator hunters with your other hunting because they're they're doing that management at the top level and it's not easy as you know i mean it takes takes a lot of time a lot yeah. of effort i mean you're not just i know on the videos it looks like you just go out and shoot 100 coyotes but <laughs> oh, yeah it's, you know yeah. you know what you're doing i mean it's a it's a skill it's a certain very unique skill set that it
0: takes to do that when you talk to some of those guys, send them my way. I'd like them to have, a, I like them to write letters to my wife and tell to my <laughs> wife that, that I'm really just yeah. doing everybody a huge favor. That's why I'm hunting coyotes yeah. all winter. You mm-hmm. know, it's because I have to, honey, I gotta, I gotta help yeah. her help these big game guys out, you know?
1: <laughs> but I'll tell you, you know, the coyote thing, as you know, one of the reasons for the podcast, it's getting really popular. I mean, guys, it's, I mean, we know it's a lot of fun, but there's a lot of benefits to it. I mean, you're building a good skill set, but it it's beyond that. It's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of ranchers who'll let you hunt on their place if you're killing coyotes. So you don't have the access issues that you normally would if you're a deer or elk hunter, yep. keeping your skills sharp off season. You know, what else? Yeah. You know, every
0: every state time. in the lower forty eight has coyotes now. I mean <clears throat> don't need a, a license It's an places. average Joe hunt, you know. You don't have to yeah. have a, a lease, you don't have to travel west to hunt, you know. Yeah, I mean, guys yep. can just do it right in their backyard, pretty much wherever they live. So,
1: yep yep, so heck yeah, man. Not much to not like about it,
0: <laughs> except when it sucks hunting, you know. It's yeah, actual work it can be tough. <laughs> <laughs> about like hunting,
1: every... when it when predator hunting slow, it's really slow. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'll test your your will, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, guy, I appreciate you being on the, sh- the podcast, man. That was fun. I yep. uh, Hopefully, everybody got some some fun information and some usable information, you know, when it comes to lion hunting and, um, and all that goes, where, where can you, are you on Instagram and and that kind of stuff?
1: Yep. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, uh, on Instagram. I think my handle's NG Eastman on Instagram. So that's where I am most of the time with photos. I don't post a lot, a lot of stuff. Like some people run the office, but I'm on there. Yeah. Yeah, If anyone has any questions, they can shoot me a, a question on Instagram or Facebook or, or my email, it's just guy at eastmans.com. So you have any uh?
0: Do you have any out? of those lion videos on your op, Beyond the Grid YouTube or anything like that? Any yeah. your lion
1: hunts. Yeah, on our YouTube channel, the Eastman Hunting Journal YouTube. There's a couple different hunts on there.
0: On oh, the lion hunts, nice, nice. What they get
1: know? a lot of views. Holy smokes, some of them, oh, way over a hundred thousand views. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I keep thinking we're gonna get the rug yanked out from under us on there, but they seem <laughs> to look YouTube gurus in california yeah. don't they, they must not have seen it yet or something.
0: <laughs> they're busy doing that to us coyote guys on youtube you know yeah they're on
1: you they're <laughs> off on you guys
0: <laughs> uh well man i greatly appreciate you being on the show it's awesome being partnered with you guys um you know for this podcast looking forward to, to continue to bring people great content uh you know in the future doing this so appreciate you being yeah, on thanks. man
1: thanks for everything jeff
0: <clears throat> before we cut off here um, just want to thank you guys for listening. Obviously, you guys have made this number one predator podcast in the in the country right now, um, and and it's obviously bringing on great guests like Guy and and all the content that we're able to bring you guys. But we can't do this without the sponsors, so I need to thank Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Swagger Bipods, Six Hour Optics, Onyx Hunt, Cryptech, Hornady, and Black Rifle Coffee Company. And of course, big thanks to Eastman's for throwing this all together. And uh, be sure and check out their website for. Tag Hub and some of the other things, their journals and things like that, that they offer. But until the next time, thanks for listening. We'll catch you right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast.